Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Turkish Heritage Organization's podcast. I'm very excited to have Dr. Mark Merowitz with us today. He is a professor of humanities at SUNY Maritime College, a member of the THO Advisory Board, and a well-recognized expert on Turkish foreign policy, maritime issues, and much, much more. Uh, my name is Savannah Lane. I'm the Executive Director of THO. And Dr. Mark Merowitz, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure, Savannah. Thank you very much for inviting me. You know, last time we, we spoke, we were discussing a lot of uh, potential implications in the Eastern Mediterranean, maritime issues, and now we're kind of seeing some of that come to fruition. As somebody who specializes in maritime issues, Turkish foreign policy, can you give us first a little bit of background on the history of the maritime dispute between Turkey and Greece and how this recent discovery uh, has uh, potentially exacerbated those tensions? Well, I mean, the, you know, Turkey and Greece have had um, uh, complex relations for many, many years, including um, over Cyprus, um, over the Aegean. And as you said, the most recent uh, uh, location of, uh, let's say, disagreement is now, a locus of disagreement is in the Eastern Mediterranean. And why is that? Because of the potential of great uh, natural gas finds and other uh, resources that can be extremely valuable if they can be extracted. And the other point of it is, is it's not just now limited to Turkey and Greece, but other parties in the region have become involved in trying to exploit those resources. And the, uh, there's a clash in the sense of claims on behalf of Greece and Turkey in particular, but also the Greek Cypriots and the Turkish Cypriots, and Israel and Egypt and Libya and the UAE, um, all um, um, promoting their own views of how much of the Eastern Mediterranean they can exploit. And those claims are contradictory, which leads to the disagreement that we're seeing. So uh, most recently we've seen Turkey uh, sending ships to explore and exploit the resources and getting pushback from Greece and the other countries in the region. Um, and this has uh, created a very tense atmosphere, although most recently when we were doing this interview, this seems, things have seemed to calm down a bit, and that's really quite desirable. <clears throat> Certainly, and something that I think we're going to continue to watch unfold. Now, in the rising tensions that we've seen, you know, you mentioned the idea of contradictory, you know, uh, historical moments in this. And uh, I think it's what's, what's interesting, really, is that the initial mediation to kind of uh, really resolve this issue has been led recently by NATO Secretary General, German government. Uh, you know, it's something that recently was reported that both countries agreed to these uh, talks with NATO, and then later, once again, you know, we bring up the idea of contradictions, it was said that the, the Greek government actually did not agree to this. So it seems like there's a lot of back and forth going on in the region and what's happening right now in these maritime disputes. Are you at all optimistic that mediation will bring a resolution to this dispute, or how do we, you know, move forward with these rising tensions? Well, I would quote, first of all, the New York Times editorial, which said that it was inconceivable to have two NATO powers, Greece and Turkey, coming to conflict or to battle or to war. And this is inconceivable mm -hmm. and obviously highly undesirable. Uh, the question is, 
uh, who can uh, successfully mediate this dispute? Now, if we look around the uh, scene to find somebody, President Trump is preoccupied with his election and most recently has negotiated a deal with the UAE and Bahrain and Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, this may actually affect what we're talking about today, but at the end of the day, the U.S. is distracted and COVID and the pandemic. All of these things make U.S. mediation, and understand the point, election is coming up, and the last thing President Trump, I believe, would want to have is a war between Greece and Turkey or a conflict between Greece and Turkey. So, uh, but, but actively being involved in this right now, the focus is on the Middle East, on the UAE, Israel, Bahrain, etc. Uh, Britain could, is a guarantor of the Cyprus. Uh, Cyprus. Right. So it, has, it has bases on Cyprus, Aquaterian Decalia. Many expats, I was in Turkish Cyprus, you can see large amounts of, go down to the harbor, you hear people speaking with British accents. I mean, many of the expats have, right. have retired, they've gone to, to Turkish Cyprus. I was shocked. I, I heard the British accents. I, I thought, where am I? But yes, uh, you know, because Cyprus <laughs> used to be a British colony. Uh, so I don't think the, the Brits right now, they have Brexit. They have Boris Johnson, and they have COVID and pandemic. So they are preoccupied. So then this fell to Germany, which is, which is perfectly capable of doing this, but I don't think they have sufficient gravitas to resolve this. Sure. And also sure. the Germans have been at, at odds with, uh, with uh, Turkey, and also uh, the refugee policy in Germany is problematic. Uh, the EU is not an honest broker, uh, to my mind, in terms of Turkey. I mean, look at the history of this. Um, Turkey is trying to get into the EU for years and years and obstacle after obstacle. And then the EU admits the Republic of Cyprus instead of Turkey. Turkey, a mega power in the region, mm -hmm. is, is not admitted right. to the EU, but the Republic of Cyprus is admitted to the EU. So, and the EU's uh, sanctions and boycotts and all sorts of uh, uh, policies uh, problematic. NATO Secretary General, um, I think, um, Jens Stoltenberg, has been um, I would say uh, more than an honest broker for Turkey and has been uh, fairly favorable to Turkey. So, and the NATO part of this is very significant. That Greece and Turkey should not be coming to battle. Uh, it is very ominous to see Greek troops coming to that island. Um, you know, that island is a sleepy island, a tourist island. Uh, as I understand it from what I read, I mm -hmm. haven't been there. It's about two kilometers from Kash in Turkey and the Turkish mainland. And there are Turks and Greeks there, and they all sit around and have, well, I don't know what COVID and pandemic, but generally people sit right. there, it's beautiful, and they have coffee. So this is not a place to put Greek troops. It just, it just, it just makes, exacerbates and makes the situation worse. And, and, you know, these islands are supposed to be demilitarized. Turkey and Greece entered into treaties and agreements. Uh, look, the situation is unsettled, but bringing troops in, not a good idea. And I noticed that, and I read that the Turk, uh, Turks um, pulled back this, this uh, the ship. I think it was doing exploration or retreat. So, you know, I, things are calming down. Now, in terms of honest brokers, uh, you know, clearly there aren't many out there uh, that can do this mediation, but maybe the NATO context is the good context to do it. So am I optimistic? I, I mean, I think uh, absent... Uh, in the absence of a, a clear, a, a clear a path forward. And the reason why you don't have a path forward is the delimitation of the maritime claims. You have an agreement between Turkey and Libya to create a, 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 a zone of authority. You have Turkey's continental shelf versus Greeks uh, claiming uh, for this Greece, uh, Greek island a large exclusive economic zone. 
And if you look at the map, I looked at an right. interesting map, but showing the economic zone is gigantic from, the, from a small island and then the continental shelf, and those overlap. And then when the, when the German government was going to negotiate this uh, mediation between uh, Turkey and Greece, they set it up, and, then, and, then, and the, and the Turk, Turks uh, noted that the next day, uh, you know, Egypt and Greece entered into an agreement to delimit the maritime zone. So all these maritime zones all conflict with each other. The, the Turkish-Libya zone actually would intersect any, would interfere with any pipeline that the parties in the region want to set up. So we right. need to have a sit-down and work this out in a map and figure out how to share resources. I think the problem in the region is that the parties need to learn how to share. You know, I have my grandchildren. I guess you teach your grandchildren to share in the sandbox. <laughs> but the problem is right. in the Middle East, it doesn't work where people can sit down and actually figure out how to share the resources. I would add that there is no certainty that the sure. finds, that what they're finding, they're going to find in the region is going to be the, you know, the be-all and end-all of all finds in history. I don't, I don't think so. So, the, candidly, um, I believe that, uh, right. you know, that remains to be seen, too. Maybe all they're finding is sufficient to assist with their domestic needs, and there isn't enough mm -hmm. there to export. So, a lot of imponderables. Step number one is tone it down. Not so much, I mean, there's not going to be an entente, mm -hmm. I think, between Greece and Turkey, because there's long-standing disagreements. But I do note for historical fact, and I think it's important to remember, it was Prime Minister Venizelos of Greece that nominated Ataturk for the Nobel Prize, okay? I, mean, I don't think he got the Nobel Prize, right. but you imagine the Greek prime minister wrote a beautiful letter to the Nobel Committee commending Ataturk as a world leader and commending him. And I think also Ataturk's speech about Gallipoli, these are something, these are inspirational things. Now, all I'm saying is that it, it shows the potential for Greece and Turkey to work together, they live in the region, and they should work together better than they have been, and they need to, to tone it down, uh, deconflict, uh, stop, with, you know, these NAFTECs is one against the other, these warnings, and all of these, um, you know, ratcheting up this issue and, and making it more intense. You've got to tone down, and it would be very nice to seriously address the issue of Cyprus itself and try to work something out because... The, the continuous inability of doing this causes an imbalanced situation where basically Republic of Cyprus is, is, is making claims and they're not including the rest of the people on the island. fact of the matter is after all these years, since 1974, there's been a Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus. The Turkish Cypriots are living there. And maybe it would be a good idea at some point to share the resources uh, that Cyprus Island is entitled to with all the people who live there and work out their mm -hmm. disagreements once and for all. Now, I'm being an optimist, and maybe I'm not being a realist, but I'm sure hoping that uh, right now COVID has put a, a damper in everything, uh, and Cyprus has got its problems, you know, with COVID, very big problems, and also the, Israel and the other countries too. When this ends, you know, hopefully that the we're going to find a path out into peace and, and working this out and sitting down and de-conflicting and, de and delimiting the maritime claims. 
Certainly. Well, you know, I think we could all use a little bit of optimism these days. So I appreciate that that perspective. You know, when when you were discussing kind of the role of, of, let's say, outside regional powers, may it be Germany, Britain, we have this sort of continued conflict with other NATO members, Turkey and France and and both Libya, Lebanon, now through French maritime intervention in support of Greek and Cypriot claims. Do you see that these interventions by kind of, I, I would argue, third-party countries are helpful in finding a solution, or are they a hindrance? Are they kind of muddying the waters, or is it something that, you know, drawing more international uh, involvement is, is supportive or, or negative? Right. Well, first of all, um, I'm going to be very t- talk practically here about Cyprus itself. I mean, I think it would be much easier if the Greek Cypriots and the Turkish Cypriots could actually get together and talk to each other without having their kind of parents in the room, you know, Turkey and Greece itself. Because mm-hmm. certainly mm-hmm. from the point of view of the Greek Cypriots, Republic of Cyprus, you know, I, I think from what I see, and again, this is just my personal perspective, I think the Turkish Cypriots put forward some very uh, credible and valuable proposals, and they were always shot down, and they're shot down I believe, because the, because the mother country of Greece didn't agree with them. And so maybe the kids could have a chance to get together. And it would be very nice if all the Cypriots got together in a, in a better way. And that would help a lot. Now, as far as the intervention of France, well, certainly the intervention of France on one side of the issue, on the side of Greece, is not acting as a mediator. It's acting as a partisan and as a party in the, in the region. And, that, and I think that you know, the French maritime claims are also related to, um, uh, you know, France's uh, uh, corporate entities which are, uh, you know, exploring mm-hmm. in the eastern Mediterranean, like Total. So, I mean, they're, they're also pursuing, you know, this is politics. International politics are pursuing the interests of France. But I think, I think the bottom line is it would be better to take the third parties out of this and let them all talk Turkey and Greece Greek and Turkish Cyprus should talk to each other and try to work it out because when you have the outside parties, things get murky and complicated. So if we could unravel these outside influences, I think we would be much better off. But clearly, the first step is to tone down the conflict. That's number one. You can't, you can't have any negotiation if everybody is in a, uh, in a, in a very um, intense and heated feeling towards the other parties. Uh, I think they should calm it down. Look, the maritime claims, Aegean, Eastern Med, highly complicated. And we haven't solved the Aegean. And as far right. as the islands are concerned, I just want to make a point. Look, it is, it, islands do have an exclusive economic zone. That's true. But remember, the Law of the Sea Treaty was never ratified by Turkey, and it was not ratified by the United States. So we have a bit of a no-man's land in the international law of the sea. And interestingly enough, it is China in the South China Sea that has tried to create a whole new theory of international law of the sea which was rejected by the Permanent Court of Arbitration. So we don't know, we don't have a good handle on enough, if, if there is such a thing as an official international law approach on this. So in the absence of that, and since we have no clear-cut um, rule, right, and this, of course it's international law, right, so right. why not get the parties involved and take out a map and try to figure this out, and most importantly, share the resources of the entire island of Cyprus with all the people of Cyprus. I think that seems to me to be a no-brainer, but apparently it is, it is politically not acceptable. And that, that, is a, 
that's a problem, and I assure you, United Nations, United States, UK, and Greece, and Turkey have all, in a way, tried to figure this out, and they haven't been able to do it. So they need to have a new path and a better path to figure it out, and, and certainly not to um, you know, descend into conflict. There, there's no benefit to that, and all you're going to end, end up with is nobody's going to get anything. So what would be the point of it? And maybe there are good resources there, and maybe they're valuable resources, and everybody should share them and not try to make it a zero-sum game. And the zero-sum game, unfortunately, in the region, if you read the literature, it basically is a whole group of countries lined up on one side, and then Turkey's on the other side. And that, I don't see how that, uh, with Turkey's large um, 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 mainland and its large continental shelf, uh, there has to be some uh, denouement or some uh, solution to this. And it's, it's certainly not in conflict. It is in negotiation and mediation, I think. Right, certainly. Well, you know, you bring up uh, outside powers and one that we certainly haven't even discussed really, and this is, I think, critical in terms of the U.S.-Turkey relationship, is the role of the U.S. in this, and that there has been certainly um, somewhat of an absence. You mentioned the the uh, peace agreements that were you know, being signed actually this week and yeah. how that might impact this, but is there um, a role that is missing uh, from the U.S. being involved in this conflict, or is it helpful that they're staying out with obvious tensions still at an all-time high uh, where do you see the role of the U.S. in this conflict? I think the role of the U.S., and uh, again, this is my personal impression, is that uh, the main role of the U.S. right now is to prevent uh, conflict between the two NATO powers, period. I mean, that is the idea. So I don't know that they're completely detached from it or removed from it. I think they're in it and involved in it in the sense that, uh, you know, the United States does not want to have a conflict in that area because, look, at the present time, the United States is focused on China. Okay, let's be realistic. And the president has now arranged for a, a major development in the Middle East and, is, and, and actually it was inconceivable that you would see Israel, the UAE, and Bahrain, you know, signing a paper, you know, an agreement even to recognize each other or to have relations with each other. Who would have believed that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just a, that's a, right. that's a, now why that happened or whether that's a good idea or how it's going to pan out is really the, is really, the, you know, at this point, besides the point, it's a coup for the president for his reelection. And that the focus of the U.S. is there and in China. Uh, it is not in the region of the Eastern Med right now. Um, the only thing that the U.S. is focusing on in the Eastern Med is not to have a, a battle or a war between, you know, between ships and troops. And there, right. there is, there is, that is the only thing the U.S. is doing right now, and they're very busy with China. China is the key to U.S. foreign policy at the present time, and dealing with China's ascendancy and China's rise is the number one challenge to America at the present time. It is a major challenge. With the developments in Hong Kong and the potential of something occurring in Taiwan and the conflict between China and India um, in the, in the Galwan ba- Valley, these are ominous developments, mm-hmm. uh, and these developments will preoccupy American foreign policy. Uh, and so the last thing anybody wants is two minutes. It's what the New York Times said, I think, is absolutely correct. Listen, New York, we don't want a conflict between two NATO powers. That's just like, please, that should be right. off, off, the, off the map, off the record. Do not do that. That would be, and I think it wouldn't get anyone anywhere. They would just have a conflict, and to what end? They're, they're longstanding, they're together in the region 
and they're going to be in the region. They can't move each other, right? It's not like, it's not like church right. and Greece can move apart and change, and, and when you wake up in the morning and there'll be some, another island, there won't be the, the Mace Island will not be there, Castle Larisa won't be there. It's there. It's, these are facts of life. The problem is that all of these structures in the region all have uh, claims associated with them, and it, it's, it's somewhat imponderable. U.S. never signed the Law of the Sea Treaty. Turkey never signed the Law of the Sea Treaty. And Greece did, but it had reservations. So, you know, at the end of the day, you scratch your head. So if they want to fight, they're not going to get anywhere. I mean, really? Greece, I mean, I think the, the, the great analog to this is the comment that was made by The Economist magazine in reviewing this whole issue, where they said, you see here, it was the Greek, you had a Greek ship, a broken down old ship called the Limnos, and it was, I think, collided with an, up, an up-to-date, state-of-the-art Turkish frigate. I mean, that's kind of, that's the division and the, what you're seeing in the optics. You have Turkey as a major military power, and Greece is not. I mean, it isn't. Uh, and so well, to what end would there be a conflict? No, no good will come from it. And the only solution is peace and mediation. In the spirit of Prime Minister Venezuela's, and Ataturk. I like that. I know that's a long time ago. Right, but you know what? When, 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 people, when great people come up with great ideas like that and decide to do things and, and do it in a peaceful way, it generally ends up and we serve better, and we also expect that from our NATO allies. So I'm going to be optimistic Certainly. rather than be pessimistic, noting, of course, that the COVID situation, the pandemic, does complicate everything. But hopefully that will solve, get solved and there will be a vaccine and we can move on. And hopefully... When we move on, we'll move on to a world where we're not making the same mistakes again. That is the, that's the issue that I think I'm worried about. We're just going to get a vaccine, get back to, to, to normal, and start, you know, bickering with each other and doing the same silly things again. So, you know, hopefully a better world is, is, is there. And a good place to start is in the Eastern Med. Certainly. Well, Dr. Mark Merowitz, we really appreciate your perspective and expertise in this. And, uh, you know, likewise, I, I'm hoping for a little bit of optimism as it relates to this, but we'll certainly be watching these rising tensions and how it all unfolds. Thank you very much right. for the privilege of doing you. Yes, thank you. And, and just a reminder to our listeners that they can see podcasts, exclusive expert interviews, live webinars, and more at www.turkheritage.org. Thank you again, Dr. Merowitz, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much.